me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Super Sports Flash Podcast. Welcome in to episode number 12 of the Super Sports Flash Podcast. I'm Joe Will. I'm Tyler Schiffer. We're a man short today. Uh, Matt uh, went home early for Christmas break. Me and Tyler decided to stick around until uh, finals are over. Mm-hmm. So We got another two weeks. Yeah, another two weeks. And then we'll, we'll have to figure it out from there. But we missed some time too. Uh, I unfortunately had uh, COVID, but I'm fully recovered now. I don't have my nope. smell and taste, but I feel great. Yeah, but I mean, the only two that really matter. I say that, but I mean, anyways, let's dive into some Alabama football. So um, we actually broke this news like today on the game not too long ago is that Nick Saban is back at practice per source. So that's good. Um, seems like he like his quarantine went up a lot faster than I thought. Like, I don't know the yeah, exact but date, but it's kind of weird to me that he's already back because they found out when like last. It was Tuesday, I think. Last Tuesday, so then... Yeah, because I remember I had just gotten home, and I was laying there on the couch relaxing, and I saw that news, and I was like, this is crazy. So that's nine days. So I don't know, but I'm glad that he's back. I hope he's feeling good, he's healthy. I'm glad it didn't seem like he had that bad of a case. Yeah, fine for me. I think he is... He said his symptoms are pretty mild. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, it's always nice to have him back, but Sark... Stark coached a pretty pretty solid impressed. game. I was impressed, too. And I think I was the most impressed with is the defense. Pete Golding. Yeah, Pete Golding. Um, I'm kind of eating crow from what I said. I mean, the last three games, they've given up 16 points. Yeah, like since, since like week four or five, they've just really like clicked all of a sudden. And so do you think like not having a summer camp was that detrimental to them? I know they have a lot of young players. Do you think like it's finally all the young players clicking or... Do you think Pete Golding's finally calling a better game or what? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, you have guys like Malachi Moore who are just absolutely stepping up. Will yeah. Anderson, you know, all these young players that I was expecting more from early on. But like you touched on, without, you know, that extended time period like mm-hmm. to practice, it's, a, it's hard for those guys to kind of get into game shape to play at the college level, making that transition from high school to college. But the last couple of weeks, they've looked really good. Part of that... I think is we haven't really played anybody all that great since the Georgia sure. game. Auburn's um, not great. <laughs> yeah, well, that we pitched didn't we pitch a shutout in the second half of the Georgia game? Yes. Yeah, and then I mean Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Auburn aren't yeah. all that great. I mean, not to take anything away from Alabama's defense because when I watched them after this week, I finally gotten to the point where I can like I'm not super nervous like, when I watch them. Watching. I'm like, this is. Alabama defense that I'm so used to seeing. <laughs> um, we almost went. We were one garbage time touchdown with like four minutes left away from going three games in a row without giving up a touchdown. Yeah, I think if Brian Robinson doesn't fumble that, then which is we either get a field goal or we score, and the Auburn doesn't have enough time to get it back. 
See, it's weird to say because I was thinking about that, and I was like, if he does score, though, Auburn probably gets it at the 25 instead of the 5. So they they drove down the whole field anyway. Yeah. And Bo Nix should have got a safety. I called it watching it live. I was like, he's going to drop back. He's going to try to avoid pressure, and then he's going to get caught in the end zone. And everything happened except three people missed him in the end zone. And I was very sad about that. But I think that I was really impressed by Sark because he handled the coach head coaching job like well and he still called an amazing game on offense like i think well he calls the plays anyways right when Saban's there yeah Saban is a great coach and Saban there's nobody better making adjustments i mean we saw say like in the national championship game when he won and he put he had the the balls to put to it and um nobody's better making those adjustments but Sarkeesian's call he calls the plays anyways, so it wasn't I wasn't surprised. Well, I mean just like with the extra duties he had, still being yeah. able to call such a good game. I think like a solid seventy five percent of the offensive plays we ran, I ran they like ran it and I was like, Ooh, I like that play. Yeah, that the offense the is just so fake, fun to watch. The fake wide receiver screen that he threw, like the slant. Oh yeah, Devontae that was Smith, awesome. And he ran it for like seventy yards. Oh, the Devontae Smith. Yeah, well, it was like they faked this yeah. to Mechie, I think. Yeah, and I, it, we'll talk about Devontae Smith a little bit, too. As soon as I saw him catch that ball, I was like, he's gone. Yeah. Like, there's no way anybody's going to catch him just because I don't know 40, if you timed him 40-wise, how like, what his time would be, but just game speed and just an open field, he's so hard to tackle and chase down if you're a defender. Uh, just building off with Devontae Smith, we got to talk about how how much he stepped up in the absence of Jalen Waddle. I mean, this offense doesn't look like it's really even missed a beat. Yeah, I think he's cemented himself already probably to win the Bulletnikoff this year. And I think a lot of people are starting to put him over Jamar Chase because even... He's just so complete. Yeah. He works his ass off, too. I remember going into this year, there was all these videos from just him after practice, catching balls, like getting in the facility. Like, as soon as it opened, it's just... He's he's a grinder. He's one of those guys that maybe isn't going to blow you away with his his size. I mean, he's smaller, but he's quick. He's got good hands, and he puts in a lot of work, and I think a lot of NFL teams are going to like that. Well, and it may sound crazy, but maybe there was a reason why Tua stopped throwing so much to Jerry Judy last year and started throwing to Devontae Smith as like his comfort guy. He's so reliable, yeah. too. I mean, Jerry Judy's great. Henry Ruggs is great, but there's nobody that's as complete as Devontae Smith. Yeah, and then uh, one other player I'm actually kind of excited for, too. They've been talking about him the last couple of weeks, but Jaleel Billingsley, like, yeah. he's starting to get more and more play time, and he's starting to get... He doesn't get a lot of targets, but he does a lot when he gets his target. He had a really nice catch for a touchdown. I thought he was going to drop it for sure, but he he only had two targets. I think he had, like, 33 yards in the touchdown on two catches or something like that. He's a but, big target, too. I didn't realize how big he is. I looked it up. He's 6'4", 230. Yeah, and he's only a sophomore. And tight ends normally take longer to adapt to. So I think that as the year goes on and in the next year, he's going to be another big weapon. But to have him yeah. in addition to the weapons that we already have with Najee and um, Devontae Smith, John Mechie. Yeah. I mean, his play of recently, it just keeps getting better every week. And that's going to help us a lot if we don't end up getting Jalen Waddle back. I know yeah. that his cast was removed, I think, last week or the week before, and they said there's a chance we could have him for the playoff. But, you know, if we don't have him back, just having Jaleel Billingsley would be huge for us, performing at the level that he's been performing at. And I love I love Miller Forrestal. Congrats to him, by the way. He got engaged. Yeah, um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but we Small haven't class. had a podcast since then. Yeah. And I love him. He's the toughest dude on the team. But... It just seems right to have like 
an athletic tight end that can yeah. also block for Alabama. I mean, you had OJ Howard and then right into Irv Smith. And then now it, there was like a weird two year gap yeah, where Miller was our best tight end, but he's just really slow. And, and I, I thought Carl Tucker, the UNC transfer, I thought he would be the guy this year. I hyped him up a lot uh, when I saw they transferred. I think he has but, like one catch on the Yeah, year. he hasn't done much, but it's nice to have Miller, Forrestal, and Billingsley because yeah. Forrestal is your blocking tight end. You don't. You, like you said, you you don't have to ask him really to catch the ball. He's pretty good, pretty solid blocker. And then you have Billingsley, who kind of reminds me of a younger version of uh, Kyle Pitts from Florida. I don't know what the size comparison is, or I mean, Pitts. I think Pitts is a senior, but I mean, like you said, it takes a little bit longer for tight ends to develop. But I think he, when I watch him, reminds me a lot of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Pitts is a senior, and that, that's kind of what I'm saying with is like he wasn't. He was good last year, but he wasn't the like a first round pick like top guy guaranteed like yeah I, p- people are saying Pitts is gonna go top 10 I think if Hawkinson could go top 10 I think Pitts might I know Hawkinson's more complete but Pitts is a better receiver. well I was steamed up because I saw a mock draft to have Washington football team getting him at five I'm like you'd be oh at five I yeah at five you guys need to pick a quarterback at five there's no like unless the top five is literally like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac yeah, Jones. Yeah, it won't be. Which it absolutely will not be. Like, well, I guess only four people could go too. So you'd have your pick of the fifth best quarterback if all the other picks are quarterbacks. Well, if they keep winning games, then it's gonna be harder. Alex and harder. Smith is absolutely not the answer. I love the dude, and it's yeah. such a cool story. And I'm glad that he finally started to get some wins mm-hmm. because when he came back, I was really worried that he didn't look good and he wasn't gonna get his like comeback moment but you know i'm he's not the future he wasn't the future for kansas city like five years ago when he was actually still playing Mm -hmm. well so he's not the answer now yeah so getting back to more alabama football they have their game this weekend they finally get to play lsu after lsu had that covid outbreak and we couldn't play him and i know Mm -hmm. people were worried that would the game be played I had a feeling that it'd be played just because there was a little bit of wiggle room and just the amount of money that's going to be made from this game being played. But Alabama Owens is a 30-point favorite. It was the largest um, like underdog a reigning national championship team has ever been. That's crazy to me. Yep. But I was surprised last week because I didn't think they'd cover the 24.5-point spread against Auburn, and they, they did. They played really well. And Auburn's better than LSU. Auburn beat the crap out of LSU when they played. So I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama won by more than 30. I never like to call any game a given, but LSU's quarterbacks that I've seen play have just been god-awful yeah. this year. TJ Finley is young, and I think he's shown flashes of maybe being being yeah. the guy for them, but it's not consistent. And then uh, Terrence Marshall, I think is his name, right? The receiver. So he opted out yeah. for the rest of the season, too, so now they have nobody to give the ball to. I just don't know how they're going to score. Yeah, I don't know. This could absolutely come back to bite me. I'm just going to put that out right there right now. I never like to call a game a given. No, I mean, you're right, though. They've, they're they so depleted. And I just remember going back to the beginning of the year, I had a tweet, and I say a lot of foolish things on Twitter, but I said, LSU's going to go 5-5 five and five this year. And right now, they've only won three games. And I, it's just, I knew, obviously I didn't anticipate this many players opting out for them, mm-hmm. but I knew that, it was going to be an uphill battle for them having to replace Burrow, Brady, Arenada, uh, all the other guys, Justin Jefferson, 
all the guys they had to replace, I know it's going to be hard for them. And, I mean, they're right on pace. I mean, they might not even win five games. And I was, I mean, people call me crazy for it, but yeah, it's just, it's such a surprise to me. I, I don't know. I, it's just, you look at Georgia, right? And they're still winning games despite not having a quarterback, despite not having people. But well, unless you was I mean, like a different type of. They have JT Daniels. I think they found their guy. Now they have He's JT played Daniels, pretty well they, for them. They'd only lost two games without. Yeah, him. but that's just the, the structure of Georgia. They're very well coached, very well yeah. disciplined. You know, even if they don't have a great offense, their defense is going to keep them in games. And, yeah. you know, Kirby Smart gets a lot of crap from Alabama fans and just college football fans in general. But that's the difference between the Georgia football program and the LSU program, where Georgia is consistently good. LSU had one good year. Georgia, you know, is it's like a Walmart version of Alabama, you know. Yeah. Just like the fact that we haven't had any guys opt out. I mean, I don't think they've had any guys, except for Jamie Newman. They keep a, they run a pretty tight ship there, and that's the difference. LSU is just so disorganized. And even last year, you know, I've heard that when they were winning games, just Ed Orgeron – the way he runs his program just isn't, it's not ideal it's yeah. for a successful college football program. Like you can't consistently be successful the way you run it other than having one good year. Well, that's what I was going to say is I think Ed Ogeron is an amazing recruiter, one of the best recruiters in the league. But as a coach, I think he's one of the most overrated coaches now because he won a national championship and everyone has him in that top tier. But without Joe Brady, I don't think he wins that national championship. I think that yeah. he's not a top tier coach. Well, and how you can kind of see the way he's leading his people, like his, you know, players this year. He's not a good leader. He's kind of like, didn't he blame all the players and like give a whole bunch of excuses and yeah. stuff every time that they lose? And uh, I, is this game how personal is this game for Nick Saban? Given how much LSU ran their mouths last year, they went over to our recruiting section, and then at that video that came out after the game in the locker room of him saying. They're going to beat our ass on every front recruiting, you know. Yeah, Just, I think that... It looks Nick, so ridiculous now. Nick Saban doesn't run up the score, but I think if there's any game to run up the score for, it's this one, especially because there's still a couple of recruits that are, like, choosing between Alabama and LSU. And so I think that you, if you take one game personal, it has to be this one. Like, Iron Bowl, it sucks that we lost. And it sucks we got how we vengeance. lost last year. Like, on the, the, the kick or whatever that should have never happened. We ended up losing by three. That It's not ideal, and I could understand being upset about that, but LSU straight up went into Alabama, won by, how many points did they win by, like four? Yeah, it was Insulted close, that, like, all the Alabama players and coaches, and then they just themselves They, they made that. themselves look so silly because they went on to win the national championship, but they're, we're playing them this year. We're 30-point favorites, and you know we're going to put the beat down on them yeah. in Baton Rouge. I mean, the fans won't be there, but... And not to mention, we're going to get our revenge with two starting linebackers that are from the Louisiana area. I mean, yeah. Moses, I think, is from actually from Baton Rouge. And then, Harris yeah, and then Christopher Allen, too. So, yeah, I don't know. Saban doesn't like to run the score up, but I wouldn't be surprised if this, this game he, uh, he decides to run it up. Before we talk about Alabama and Florida, because I want to get into that, because that, you know, that's a matchup that's looking. More likely yeah. that it's going to be happening. I think for the if both SEC of us win next week. It's guaranteed. Yeah, I want to talk about something that you kind of touched on. Um, Terrence Marshall opting out. We're seeing a lot of players who aren't on successful teams basically quitting on their team, and I don't, I don't like yeah. that at all. And I don't know if this is a trend that's just because of COVID and the way things are. But I, I, if 
do you think this is something that we could see going forward just with teams that aren't having the success they thought I mean, they would? Because it's ridiculous to I me. I think it's already kind of been happening in recent memory. I mean, you look at like... Well, Ed we've Oliver. seen it with bowl games, but we this is I have never seen it. Ed Oliver was what I was going to yeah. say. At Houston, he didn't like his coach, and they got in an argument, and then, what was it, Dana Holgerson? Yeah, I think so. And then he just kind of stopped playing for most of the year. Yeah. And then he ended up being a first-round pick. So it's happened before, but they just don't publicly come out and say they opted out. And to me, at the beginning of the season, I was 100% behind anyone that wanted to opt out. I completely understand. Take care of yourself. This late into the season, like 10 You're weeks quitting on your season, team with two weeks left. You are not scared of COVID at this point. If you've played eight weeks, nine weeks, you're literally opting out because you're either not playing as well as you would like or your team's losing and it makes you look bad. And so I think it's ridiculous. I don't think you can be like, oh, I'm opting out because I'm scared of COVID. It's like you've played. What difference does two weeks make yeah. when you say, oh, I'm going to get ready, prepare for the NFL draft? It's two more weeks. Like, what difference does it make? You're going to be back home on your couch or back in the gym training for the draft anyways. Like, it makes no sense to me. And if I'm an NFL GM and I see guys quitting on their team, it, it makes me a little less likely to want to draft them, regardless of how good they are, because you want somebody who's going to buy in. If, if you know, one of these guys, let's say, um, Terrace Marshall gets drafted by, I don't know, like a really bad team, yeah. and the, that team starts doing bad, is he just going to, like, not try as hard? Because that's the message he's giving off right now. He's literally quitting on his team. And he's not the only one that's done it. I've seen a, a couple other players, but he's, yeah, he's the most... The most marquee player that's done it recently and it just blows my mind how you can do that i i understood at the beginning of the year with micah parsons um also another guy that it kind of pisses me off is rashad bateman who opted back in minnesota has been terrible and opted back out well you can't you can't have one foot in one foot out you're gonna either gonna be in or out like any other um like you can't you can't do that with a job I mean, yeah. essentially, I mean, they're not getting paid to play, but that's your job is to be, you, I mean, you're, you're, you're a college football player and you, you signed that letter, you got that scholarship and you committed to it and you're just breaking your commitment off with two weeks left to play. I will say, I think that just because they did this doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to give up on their team in the future or something. Like That was one of the big concerns for Ben Simmons, for example, and he's been nothing but a great team player since he got drafted. Because he stopped playing for LSU basketball. LSU, actually, funny enough. Um, but he kind of quit on the LSU basketball team because they weren't looking like they were going to make the playoffs or the March Madness. Mm-hmm. And so he's been a great teammate since then. And you look at all the players. When the bowl game, like sitting out of the bowl game trends first started happening, everyone was like, oh, the sky's falling. These players are going to be awful teammates. You look at Christian McCaffrey. He's a great dude. You look at some of the other players yeah. that do it. But that was, so, the, the, that was the first first time we really saw that was with McCaffrey yeah in a bowl game though like that's I more understandable to me than I mean a regular season but maybe their players are just saying this is a weird year we kind of get a mulligan and nobody's going to really give us a lot, yeah. of, a lot of crap for doing that I would be more worried about anyone that does it next year mm-hmm. or when hopefully next year when yeah assuming I mean, yeah and if someone did that in like a normal year if someone did that last year like, oh, Alabama loses their second game against Auburn, right? And then you see, oh, Henry Ruggs says, oh, I don't want to play for Alabama right now anymore. I'm just going to go to the draft. I think that's a little bit more of a concern because, you know, you're good. Mm-hmm. And But I think that 
I mean, Alabama's been really lucky with this. We haven't really had any key players. Yeah, part of it's the culture. Yeah, Nick Saban goes out and gets great guys, and I love everyone on our team. Mm-hmm. So, um, talk about you want to talk about Alabama versus Florida because it looks like it's inevitable in the SEC championship game. I'm excited because since we've been here, I'm a senior. Since we've been here, it's been Alabama Georgia every year except last year, which it was LSU. Yeah, but I think the last time it was Alabama Florida. That was before we were here because I remember it came up on my Snapchat memories. Was when we played Florida, I think it was four years ago. Or but that, I mean, we haven't played Florida in a while, and mm-hmm. you know this is going to be a matchup not only between two teams. You know, Alabama right now is in the College Football Playoff. Florida trying to make that jump from six to four. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a high, this is a Heisman matchup too between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. How? crazy is it that in the last three years there's been two playoff games or potentially playoff games i don't know if it counts as playoff game actually but there's been two i think it counts as playoff playoff quote-unquote games with an alabama quarterback against another school's quarterback for the heisman it just if you told me that like four years ago i would have not believed you yeah it happened with tua and kyler murray and now it's going to happen with mac jones and kyle trask maybe it's just the kai on the other team, you know. Yeah. Kyler Murray. But um, <laughs> I think that right now Trask is probably going to win it. I think that Really? Mac Jones is better in my mind. Well, but the numbers the numbers right now definitely yeah, 11 uh, more touchdowns for Kyle Trask. Yeah, 2728 yards, 2810 for Trask, but the big difference obviously they have they have the same number of interceptions, 3, which is really impressive. But Trask has 34 touchdowns, and Jones has 23. But also, Florida has to throw the ball more because yeah. they don't have a guy like Najee Harris at running back. Yeah, their more efficient like goal line play is to throw it to Kyle Pitts yeah. instead of trying to hand it to their running back. And Mac Jones has had a lot of touchdowns this year that have got downed on like the five-yard line or one-yard mm-hmm. line or something, and then Najee's got to run it in. And so I think that if we were as gr- aggressive... Also, we had more games where... Mac is completely sat the second half or mm-hmm. the third quarter or like fourth quarter, excuse me. Yeah. So I don't know. It depends on how much the committee looks into that and actually looks at it, or if they just look at the numbers, then Trask will get it. And I think that there's no way Mac Jones catches up. It's too far of a lead, at least in touchdown passes. But some of the other stats, he could definitely pass them. So you don't think if if Mac outplays Trask, Trask has a bad game against us. You don't think that Mac can make that jump? I don't. I, I think that if Trask has a really bad game and Mac has a really good game, or not even really, just a bad game and a good game, the problem is I don't see Trask having a bad enough game. Even against us. us. Yeah. I think that we've looked really good against some bad teams with offense, but I'm still pessimistic about going up against Florida's offense, which has been super high-powered all year. I mean, the the, the good teams we've played this year, A&M, they scored 22, and... And I don't like A&M's offense. I think their offense is bad. Yeah, and but even Georgia. even A&M, I mean, we beat A&M by a ton. And didn't, didn't A&M beat Florida? Yeah. yeah they were so, Florida's one loss. But that was like... The more I think about it, Florida doesn't, Florida doesn't really worry me because, like I said, they don't have... They just run so... They rely so much on the passing game. And they, it's not saying they have a bad running game, but it's we are we're more dynamic. We can throw the ball, and if you shut, shut down... You know the passing game for us, we can just hand it to Najee. We're there's more to work with with us than there is for them. Whereas we can just, sh- if we shut down Kyle Pitts, 
mean, they still have Kadarius Tony and and Justin Short. I mean, they still have some some pretty big targets that can cause some matchup nightmares for our corners. But I think I can comfortably say that if we play them, probably win by like ten or so. Honestly, I think when we play them, I'm gonna say win, which is no, we will, we will. But I think you got to run nickel most of the game. I Mm -hmm. don't like Christian Harris or Dylan Moses trying to cover Kyle Pitts. I think you put Patrick Sertain on Kyle Pitts and just try to keep him from catching the ball. Sertain's a I good think enough. Ca- Harris came because he's fat. I think he's he, fat. but he has pretty poor instincts in coverage from what I've seen. Like he's had a lot of times where he just got burnt because he missed times a jump or like reads the route wrong or something. Yeah. That's why I think that Sertain is a good enough tackler. If Pitts gets it like on a short thing, I think he can slow him up enough for someone else to help him tackle him. And I think that he's probably our best bet. Kind of like what um the Rams did against the 49ers. I don't know if you saw that game, but they matched Jalen Ramsey on uh, George, George Kittle. Kittle. And that they destroyed them. <laughs> and like George mm-hmm. Kittle had his catches, but they held him to well enough that, you know, the rest, of, they made the rest of the team beat him and they weren't good enough. And I think that's what we'll have to do to Florida as well. We'll see. A couple of weeks away, not too far. Yeah. I'm going to be biting my nails watching that game. Uh, to talking about more college football, uh, the news broke. Couple hours ago, then no spectators gonna be allowed at the Rose Bowl for college football playoff because uh, of COVID. Obviously, um, California has been very strict. Yeah, the 49ers actually had to go and they're yeah. training at the Arizona Cardinals Stadium now and hosting two mm-hmm. of their games there because their stadium got shut down. Uh, this makes me, I just, I wonder if they will do the same thing for the semifinal for the Sugar Bowl because I know, um, let's play in Louisiana, right? I think New Orleans. So. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. It is. Here, let me look it up. I know they haven't, you know, Bourbon Street's opened back up. You know, they're still following protocols, but they're not as strict in California. And do you think it's fair, per se, that, you know, for a team who plays in the, you know, the Sugar Bowl with fans compared to the teams that have to play in Pasadena without any fans at all? Do you think it's fair? I think that both teams have to deal with it. So I think it's fine. I mm-hmm. think that, um, I mean, it's no different because it's supposed to be a neutral site anyway. So in theory, it'll be a fifty. It would have been a fifty-fifty split in fans, or around a fifty-fifty split. Mm-hmm. So I think that ultimately, because both teams have no fans, it equals out. I could see if it was like a team got to host their season there and have fans. They yeah. have an advantage over a team that wouldn't. But I think that it's fine because both teams are not going to have fans in the in California. Well, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be like a Certain teams are affected more than others and have an advantage or a disadvantage. Um, I think having fans is obviously a pretty big advantage, but we don't know. They might decide for the Sugar Bowl to do the same thing, just to mm-hmm. make it equal, and you know, people won't complain about it. But yeah, having fans is definitely a pretty, pretty substantial difference. But I mean, these guys, a lot of them have been playing with limited to no fans. See, I mean, let's say it's Ohio State and the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't been playing with fans at all, so they'll be used to it. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of college football stuff to talk about. I kind of yeah. want to start with Sarah Fuller, actually. I'm mm-hmm. skipping a little bit. No, yeah, you're But good. she was the first female athlete to kick in a Power 5 football game. She kicked for Vanderbilt. She had one kickoff that went, like, 30 yards. There's, like, a squib kick or yeah, something? Yeah, it, it was a squib. It was, like, half squib, half onside. <laughs> it, like, they messed it up. Yeah. Um, Vanderbilt literally didn't get past the fifty 
I think, except once where they got to the 48. So she didn't really have any attempt to kick. Yeah. They're playing Georgia this week as well. She's kicking again. I was really hopeful that she Probably less likely against Georgia that they'll yeah. cross the I was really hopeful that she would get a couple field goal attempts. So I'm really hoping she gets at least one this yeah. week against Georgia. I don't trust Vanderbilt at all. But um, the bigger news after that, though, is that not bigger news. I guess it was a pretty big thing that happened. She was only the second um, female athlete in D1 college football ever. The mm-hmm. other one played in, I think, 2007 for New Mexico University, the Lobos. And anyway, she won SEC Kicker of the Week. And the Special Teams Player of the special Week. Special Teams of the, player of the Week. So how do you feel about that? Um... I don't know how I feel about the special teams player of the week because she didn't really do a lot. Mm-hmm. But seeing her out there kicking, um, I really enjoyed it. I was getting kind of fired up because I was listening to the radio station here and there are a lot of callers just, you know, being absolutely brutal saying, oh, if you put me out there, I could kick, you know, just being sexist. And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess, you know, there's always going to be people that are going to be like that in this country. But to see Sarah Ford go out there and, you know, just being able to play, I mean, I I really enjoyed that because it breaks down barriers and yeah, it's very inspirational and I have no issues at all with it. I don't understand why people have an issue with it. You know, say, oh, college football is a man's sport. You can't let a woman play. Why not? Like, yeah, there's such no rules. A, if, it's such okay. a caveman mentality yeah. to have. If someone, like if a woman is skilled enough to play in the NFL, why not? Yeah, I mean, she's <laughs> she's 6'2". I think she can hold her own, yeah, and, and she's she a soccer goalie. Goalkeeper. That's a, you have to be, a, I mean, a tough, tough person to be playing goalkeeper. I mean, that's I think it's probably the hardest position especially, in soccer. Especially, like, SEC champion. Yeah. They were really good. She, she was a really good goalkeeper, and it's like, I, the best description I saw of it was, like, imagine playing a position where people are just running at you full speed, like, with the threat of anyone to just kick you yeah. in the skull with, like, spikes every yeah. time they get I had, the ball. I had no issue at all with it. I didn't even blink an eye when I saw it. It yeah. just, because I'm so, I mean, we're young, you know, it's easier for us, I guess, because we're, you know, things have been more progressive recently, but whereas, you know, with older generations, there's some stuff they have a hard time letting go with, but I don't have, I had no issues at all with it. I enjoyed watching it. You know, it's it's inspirational, like I talked about, and it's just I don't, you know, I don't think much of it. To me, it's just another thing. Yeah, I personally think they should have like co-special teams player of the week. It because they, they might have honestly did they? Okay, I um, think Kadarius Tony and and uh and Sarah Fuller shared it. I'm not 100 percent sure. That makes sense because like I like you said, I mean, she didn't really do anything. Yeah, that's that's the but, only thing. But I understand how you. Yeah, I understand you, the reasoning. That's your for it. your way of honoring her, like officially. With she award. did something, I guess she did do something, and it was something that yeah, no one's it ever was done it, co-player with okay. uh, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, then I'm 100 percent fine with it because I, I do like that they're also recognizing a, another player that, like, for the my thing is for special teams, especially sometimes there's a player that has like one really good week and will never do anything else in their career. Yeah, so it's kind of he had 50 yards and a touchdown. I think is what I saw. Yeah, so it's which good. obviously it's. That's way more impactful than what she did, but you have to kind of look at it in the grand yeah, scheme. Defines of on, depends on how you define impact. Yeah, exactly. Like for their team, maybe. Yeah. But for the grand, like, you know, overall college football, I don't think so. So, a couple big games that are happening this week. Number five, Texas AM playing Auburn football. Potential upset. It's a I just six don't and a half so point. I how Auburn looked this last week. 
I think that Auburn yeah, it has always has one game a year. I mean, recently it's been against us. They come out just firing on all cylinders. I mean, they're playing at home. Got the Jordan Hare voodoo magic. And A&M, opposite of Auburn, always has, seems to have a late season meltdown that causes them to kind of get out of the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not even really sold on them being in the college football playoff. To me, I, I mean, we beat them by 20-something, maybe 22. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. they don't seem all that great to me. Offensively, they've been struggled. You have ne- been struggling. You never know you're going to get out of Kellen Mon. So, I don't know if Auburn will pull off the upset, but I think they'll cover the six and a half point spread for sure. A and M. Sorry, you mentioned not being sold on A and M, and like them for them making they the just struggle. Class. They have like the weirdest path too, because if Florida beats us in the SEC championship game, they definitely don't make it because Florida moves ahead of them, and then we probably we're probably yeah, still we'll, ahead we'll still of them. Be in. And so Florida, like their best chance is what Florida losing, and then like Clemson losing to Notre Dame, and then I think we're we're cemented. We're we're in for sure. Whereas I think all I think these, as long as yeah we lose yeah. one game, it's fine. Yeah, if we're gonna beat LSU, yeah. and even if we lose to we'll beat Florida, yeah, no, we don't play Arkansas anymore. I thought it was the next week. No, they took it off the schedule. I thought the same thing. I looked at it last night, and they just they just swapped those games. I think that would have been a tough matchup for us. Arkansas is is pretty solid. Huh, that's so yeah, weird. I didn't. I didn't. I looked it up last night, and I did, I had no idea. So so we'll beat LSU um, pretty soundly, and then if we beat if we win or lose to Florida, we'll still be in the playoff. It doesn't wait. So with them, this is like a sorry to put you on the spot, but with them taking Arkansas off the schedule, does that mean we're guaranteed to make the SEC championship? Because Texas A and M has one loss, and we beat them like head to head. So if we lose to LSU, we still have the tiebreaker. Yeah, I believe so. So I don't know. Well, no, because they did they have an extra game and they could have like a higher win percentage or something. Well, they beat Florida, and but they're in we our lost side. Florida, so it'd be us oh, versus Florida. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I don't know. Okay, I haven't anyway. seen anything official about us clinching, so I'm assuming it's we still there's play. like still scenarios where we could not. Okay, but we'll be in, you know. But with Notre Dame and Clemson and them that being a mess situation, Ohio State maybe not having enough games, which we'll talk about in a second here. I mean, I feel like we're the only team that's guaranteed to be in the playoff. Yeah. So then we have number 12, Indiana, versus number 16, Wisconsin. Indiana quarterback Michael Penix Jr. tore his ACL, which is rough because he was actually playing pretty well. Um, I thought he was maybe the second-best Big Ten quarterback this season behind Justin Fields. No one else really impressed me in the Big Ten that much. I mean, Graham Mertz was good, but he's... Kind of regressed a little bit. He hasn't been playing. No, they've only played like three games. Yeah, right? he had an amazing first game, and then he wasn't as good in the, the next couple of games. But I mean, isn't he a true freshman or a redshirt freshman? Yeah, he's, I think he's a true yeah. freshman. But I, I kind of went back and forth because initially I had picked Wisconsin to win this game just because Penix is out. But then I dug more deeply into who would be replacing him, and the kid Jack Tuttle. Um, I've heard the name. Yeah, he's. I think he was committed to Wisconsin. And then he transferred, but he's a quarterback for Indiana now. He's a four-star prospect out of California, so he's a pretty solid quarterback, 6'4", 215. Mm-hmm. And the way I think Tom Allen's a coach, right, the way that he's had those guys motivated, their defense has played pretty well. They still have those receivers, very talented receivers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think there's going to be too big of a drop-off. 
just be also they've played more games. Yeah. I think this is just a year will where they take that Penix injury and they just kind of put it in the rear rear mirror and continue to play at the level that they've been playing at. I'm so sad because isn't Indiana on the same side of the bracket as Ohio State? I believe believe so. so. And so we're going to get a Northwestern Ohio State Big Ten championship if Ohio State plays enough games, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The one, actually, I'm really excited for this game. Number 18, Coastal Carolina versus number 13, BYU. It was supposed to be number 18, Coastal Carolina versus number whatever they were, Liberty. Um, 20-something, I think. Undefeated and undefeated. And it's still an undefeated, undefeated matchup. Liberty came down with the bad case of the Rona. No, Liberty lost. They lost one Oh, yeah, game. they lost last week. It was their first loss. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they finally lost to, who was it? It was the NC State. Yeah, it was. It was NC State um, on a field goal. Yeah. And so number 18, Coastal Carolina, still undefeated. They were going to play Liberty. College game day was actually going there, too. It was the first time it had been in Coastal Carolina. And now BYU is going to play Coastal Carolina. It's still at Coastal Carolina, right? Yeah. And I'm really excited for this. It's not quite the matchup people were hope, like excited for. People wanted like Washington to play BYU when they're both. This like, is a better matchup, I think. Washington is a good team, but I wouldn't sleep on the the Chant- Clears. I would. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably saying it, pronouncing it wrong, but Coastal Carolina is a feisty team. Um, BYU obviously has Zach Wilson, and they're gonna get all the hype, and people are gonna expect them to win this game. But I actually outright would pick Coastal Carolina just because I think they're more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess this is kind of the coming out game for Zach Wilson to see if he really is all as, yeah, he's as good as we deal. think he is. Because Coastal Carolina is well-coached. BYU, I mean, this is a good matchup on paper. I just think that Coastal Carolina has, you know, more fight to them. And they don't, I mean, they Grayson McCall is a quarterback. I think he's... He's pretty underrated. Um, one of the better quarterbacks in the country, actually. Not Maybe not as good as Zach Wilson, but I think he can do enough for them to get them the upset win. What about you? I think it's really interesting because both teams are just so hard to judge for me. Yeah. Because both teams have played literally nobody. Like, the closest game that BYU had, I just looked it up, was against, actually, UTSA. It was a 27-20 mm-hmm. to 20 win. Coastal Carolina, as well, their best team they played is, like, App State. Yeah. And so I honestly just don't have any prediction. I could see it go either way. Come on. Okay, I'm going to pick BYU Yeah. over Carolina, Coastal Carolina. I think that Zach Wilson has played really well. And, yes, it's been against bad opponents. But I think he's shown that he's also just a very talented quarterback. And I think that the quarterback X factor is going to be the difference. Yeah. And, obviously, most people are going to pick BYU. Yeah. I just have a gut feeling for some reason that – uh, Coastal Carolina could pull off the upset because they've been slept on all year. I completely they've been able to get the job done. I mean, obviously this is be their toughest task, but I think I think it's an upset. At least they'll at least get close. I don't. I'll pick them for the upset, but I think it'll be a close game for sure. I don't think BOA is going to blow them out. Yeah. So we talked about it earlier. Ohio <sighs> State four and zero right now. This is the one that just fires me up. They have two games left on their schedule. And Big Ten bylaws state that for a team to be eligible for the Big Ten championship, they have to play a minimum of six games. They have two games left. They're 4-0. If you do the math, I'll do the math for you right now. They have to play both of those games. Michigan right now... Just canceled a game today because of COVID. Yep. 
and they were still. Let's just assume their- Michigan can't play that last game of the season. Yeah, they're probably so they, licking doorknobs anyway, so, have, so that they could. Yeah, I have a Michigan like fan of a friend. I don't know why I said that so weird. I have a friend fan, that's a fan, huge <laughs> Michigan fan in addition to being an Alabama fan because he goes here. Ooh, that's rough. He said that the ultimate like Super Bowl for Michigan this season for the him FU would, would be to keep the players out. not playing the game and then screwing Ohio State out of the Big Ten Championship. He said he would love that. Um, I would whether, hate that. I, I don't know. I think that it's unfortunate, right? Because was it was only one of the games was Ohio State's fault that they canceled so far, mm-hmm. right? One of the two. The yep. other one was the other team's fault. Yep. And then obviously, if Michigan cancels, it won't be Ohio State's fault. So I think that the rule was put in place with good intentions. I think it's not fair for a team to go like like I think it was for like theoretically if a team goes like one or two and zero or something like that and then don't play the rest of the game. How do you handle that? But I think it's silly that Ohio State, through no fault of their own, misses two games and then gets punished for it. And that's the argument that I've been having. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I, I've been having this argument all week with people. People that say they don't deserve to get in because they only have X amount of games. I don't care how many games you play. This is not a normal year. I mean, you have to throw you have to throw all that out the window. This is a... Uh, this is a very different year with obviously with COVID and the be- being a pandemic, mm-hmm. and you can't look at me, and and seriously look at me in the face and tell me that Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in the playoff because they play five games. They have a Heisman Trophy quarterback with Justin Fields. Uh, they're very well coached with Ryan Day. He's obviously I think he's missing this week because of COVID, but yep. he's the second best coach in college football. I think he's better than Dabo. That's a hot take, but uh, you can't tell me that they don't deserve to be in, and you can't say. You can't say, oh, well, they were dragging their heels at the beginning of the year. They don't deserve to be in because of the Big Ten. Oh, they almost lost against Nebraska. Yeah, that's, this is all that I'm seeing. And you can't fault the team. They can't control how many games they play. All they can control is if they don't lose a game and they're 5-0, and you put them in. They're, ta- they're a very talented team. You Even I test, I just look at them. They're, they're, they're a top-four team. You can't make an argument that they're not. And... Your point about like the Indiana thing, uh, them, you know, playing Indiana close. Indiana's a good team. They're ranked. Um, no, I just don't. Too. I just don't think that you can keep them out. I think even if they play five games, you've got to keep them I in. Personally, think that they are a top four team, but and here's the but. If the college football playoff selection committee left them out and they came out and said their reasoning was because they only played four, they only played five games. I would understand. I wouldn't agree, but I would understand where they're coming from. If they put like Cincinnati or someone in over them, number six Cincinnati, right? Or they just seven. I think they're seven because it's A and M in Florida. So yeah. Six. But like undefeated Cincinnati, who's played like ten games. But I would understand. But I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be happy about it. Ohio State is a top four team. Yeah, because you know, you know, if Ohio State played A and M, or if they Cincinnati. played Cincinnati, they beat the yes, crap out of them. I agree, but. I think if they lose a game somehow, like if they lose to Michigan State in some weird thing, it makes the decision a lot easier. Then you definitely don't put them in. Yeah. But I think that I don't think they will. Ohio State, I think they should be in, but I would understand the reasoning if they weren't. Well, I was comparing it back in in 2017 when we lost to Auburn. We didn't play in the SEC championship, and we still made it into playoffs over Ohio State, despite having a weak schedule. And that's the argument right now. Obviously, we played a normal amount of games that year. Yeah. But we didn't have any 
I think we had maybe one ranked team we played, yeah, and we our, didn't. We lost to Auburn, and we didn't make the the championship, and yeah. we still got put in. So I think it's very hypocritical for Alabama fans to be sitting here and saying that argument because if we were in this same, when we were in that same position, you know, they would be like, "Oh, we deserve to be in," but it's because it's Ohio State, and because for whatever reason, Alabama fans just can't stand Ohio State. They're just, I mean, it's been nonstop talk this week. I can tell you why is because. They're probably the clear, like, I mean... Threat. Yeah. They're the biggest threat. Well, and I, I tweeted this. I said, Alabama fans are scared to play Ohio State. Because the last time we played them in 2014, they gave us more than we can handle, and they beat us. And I got dragged through the mud on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but I got absolutely annihilated. And I'm not saying, in my defense, I would, I'm not saying that they would beat us. I want to make that clear. I think we would beat Ohio State. But I don't think we give Ohio State enough credit for them being as good as they are. I mean, they're a very talented team. Well, I think they're one of the reasons that Alabama fans particularly don't like them is besides them being the clear threat, they talk like they're the top dog, right? But so do we. But we are the top dog. But we, we have talk. the most national championships in like college football history, right? Yeah. So we are just the top dog. And I understand if you like they're the, the top dog game. in the Big Ten, obviously. Yeah, I just mean like overall. Yeah, like you talk to an Ohio State fan, you think that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, which they are a great thing but since sliced bread. It's slight two bread. alphas, yeah, you know, exactly. two fan base, two teams that think they're they're the best, and when they clash and they collide, it causes a lot of problems. Yeah, I just, I think that a couple years ago when we made it after not even making the SEC championship game. Same thing I kind of said here is I was happy for us, right? I was like, oh, cool, we made it. But did I think we deserved it? Maybe. But would I have been mad if we didn't? No, I would have understood. And so, I mean, I personally, I'm not like the Alabama fans that are like super. I mean, I am a diehard Alabama fan, but I'm yeah, also, but I'm willing to accept that there's. Yeah, you got to You got to take that bias out of, you have to take, you have to I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm Alabama fan. You're an Alabama fan. We're biased yeah. by Alabama. But I try and look at college football as a whole. Non, I, I try not to be biased, and yeah, I think a lot of these lifelong Alabama fans that have been here, that have been—I mean, we're both out of state, right? So we're mm-hmm. kind of new to being fans. That so these diehard fans that have lived and breathed Alabama football since you know the time that they were born. I think it's hard for them to separate that, and they're just completely biased because I've just been seeing nonstop, you know crybabying on Twitter and yeah. being on the radio station, people calling. It's been the topic of discussion all week, and I think we should just worry about ourselves. We shouldn't worry about Ohio State. Alabama fans are super spoiled when it comes to football, especially the local ones because a lot of them are like Saints fans as well. Yeah. So they've just known nothing but being champions or being like the top of their division mm-hmm. for so long that I think that it's kind of hard sometimes to see another team and give them the credit where they deserve. Same with Clemson. Lots of people hate Clemson, and Lots of people were like, oh, you know, we're going to blow them out in the last time we played them in the championship. And going into it realistically, I was like, I think we have a chance at winning, but I don't think it's like a big one. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add that I want to say this is kind of a recent thing for me because the first couple of years I was here, I was one of those people. It's like, yeah, Alabama is the greatest. Like, we're not going to lose. Like, why is Clemson ranked ahead of us? But now, I, I mean, I give credit where credit's due, even with, you know, Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame. I mean, and I have every reason to hate Ohio State. Both my brothers went to Penn State. Mm-hmm. I can't stand Ohio State, 
But I will sit here and give them credit because I know that they're a top four team and I know that they deserve to be in the college football playoffs regardless of how many games they play. Yeah. So do you want to uh, dribble on over to some Alabama yeah. basketball? Thank you for staying, keeping my uh, keeping me calm over here when no, I was ranting. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest because um, it's ridiculous. You like to say it with your chest. Mm-hmm. And Alabama mm-hmm. basketball, we played in the Maui Classic, which was in North Carolina, South Carolina. It was in one of the North Carolina, Carolina. which isn't exactly Maui, but you know, whatever. Yeah. And before I just I don't want to interrupt you, but it bothered me because they would show like cutaways of Maui, <laughs> and I was like, and and the, 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 they decorated the the arena that they were in like it was Hawaii. They gave the guys like the luau's, and it just bothered me because. They're not in Hawaii. Like, I, if I'm a player, I would rather you just cut all that stuff out and just, you know, mm-hmm. play the game. But they made it seem like, I mean, I think sponsor-wise is probably a lot of reason why they did that. But it kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah. So, first round, we had an embarrassing loss to Stanford University. They looked good. Brutal. Um, what's his name? Zaire Williams? Williamson, yeah. Zaire Williamson. He looked really good. That was his debut game. Five-star recruit. And he looks amazing. Um, we just didn't have any hustle. Our defense looked bad, and I said it today when I was talking to someone about it. But we are a three-point shooting yep. team that cannot shoot threes. We are built around hitting threes, and we don't have any good shooters. Like Javon Quinterly is okay. John Petty's been decent. Like that worries Aiden me. Shackelford, and then who else? Like there's those three have been like good on offense, and then Herb. I love Herb Jones. Right. He cannot shoot to save his life. I think we need to... I know our, our identity is a three-point team, but that's going to be the bane of our existence all year. I mean, we saw how badly we got beat against uh, Stanford when we couldn't make threes, and then we saw a flip side last night against Providence when we were making all our threes. Yeah. But you can't be... I mean, that Super can't be... You can't rely on the three-pointer because you'll win, you'll win games. You know, Maybe you upset a team that you know is supposed to beat you, but also, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that gets you in trouble and causes you to lose games because you're not going to be able to go out there every night, yeah, and be lights out. Even if you're a three point shooting team, you're, I mean, your your identity you want to be the Golden State Warriors, but look at the, it's we're, not. We're more like the Houston Rockets going like oh for twenty seven or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I um another big problem I think is that Javon Quinterly is our main ball handler and he's good. Next, he wants to be though. I have, I just feels like to me he like, doesn't look all that interested sometimes to me. That's fair. But it's only I mean they've only played four games. And we're but. talking like the sky is falling. We're 3 and 1. We yeah. beat Pro, or we beat Providence in the losers final and UNLV in the losers and then semifinals. JSU was our first yeah. game. Jacksonville State mm-hmm. University, which is not in Florida, it's actually in Alabama. Surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, surprise. We got gotcha. you. I think that it's too early to say, like, oh, I'm excited for next year. But I am truly excited for next year. We get J.D. Davidson and a couple other four-star recruits. And so, and then another that, year with the guys that we have. Yeah. You know, you'll lose Herb and you'll lose Petty. Yeah. But, but you're not really losing. They're good players. You're losing leadership, but you're not losing that much talent. They're good players, and they're, like, part of the identity of Alabama right now. But I think that with the recruits that Nados is getting, we'll be getting better players. Eventually, if that makes sense. Like, and I think that obviously Nate Oates has a winning record here already, and he has been doing amazing things for recruiting. So I think that give it 
a year or two more when he finally has all of his guys, and that's going to be the true test. Well, it could even we could even make a tournament run this year. I just yeah, I still in a year. This is year two for Oates, right? Yes. And even last year, I mean, we had a winning record. Yeah, seventeen and sixteen. I think I, I I watched the first game. Was very disappointed. Didn't watch the second game, and then I watched the game last night, and it was like it was night and day how different the team looked to me. I mean, obviously. They're still shooting the three pointers. They're just going to keep doing that because, like I said, that's their identity. But they were looked like they were hustling more, and they just looked more tech. They looked more sound to me. Yeah. I so saw, hopefully they continue. I'm sure they got a a butt chewing from Oates after that performance I, in the first game, losing by what 22 points. Uh, yeah, I think it was like 18 or 22 or something. I think I saw that John Petty after the. Stanford game said something along the lines of like he got all the people together and was like we need to talk about this like we're not being as good as yeah they're not living up to their potential so hopefully they turned it around and I mean let's see next game is we're off tonight I think we play tomorrow assuming that's how it works or uh next game is Saturday actually a couple days yeah here too I think it is um so now let's go some dribble our way on to, I mean, it's not as good when I do it the second time, but on to yeah, the NBA. Okay. Uh, today, actually, or was it yesterday? Just yesterday. Yesterday, actually. Gosh, my day. Good basketball day for me. Yeah. <laughs> the Washington Wizards traded John Wall in a 2022. I thought it was 2023. It might be 2023. I think it was a 2023 first round Protected, pick. Protected, right? Yeah, it was like lottery protected for Russell Westbrook of the Rockets. Russell Westbrook is 32, former MVP. John Wall is 30, hasn't played. I had no years. idea. I thought Russ was way older. So I looked it up. I. He's 32, and then I said Wall's 30. And it made me think about the trade a little bit differently. My favorite thing I saw was, like, who this is apparently James Harden liked John Wall better. And I saw the top response to that I saw was, like, who is James Harden? What 30-year-old point guard is James Harden going to want next year? Because last year he wanted Russ. He was like, Russ yeah. is such a good fit. Now all of a sudden Russ isn't a good fit, and now John Wall is a better fit. So, so who's the problem? <laughs> I yeah. think it's Harden. One thing I'm excited about actually is that John Wall is reuniting with Boogie Cousins. They played together at Kentucky in like 2012 in college, and they're finally reuniting. So they are cool. They seemed excited about that. I think it was 2010. What was it? 2010? John Wall's draft in 2010. Oh yes, then it must have been 2010. Yeah, but Boogie Cousins. 2012 was Anthony Davis. Yeah, Boogie Cousins hasn't done much. I mean. Neither one of those guys has done much the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I think Boogie Cousins, if he comes back nearly as like strong as he was before, which is a big if because he's had like three back-to-back yeah. injuries, but I think he could be a sleeper for like one of the better players. He's not even going to be the starter, too. He'll have the bench. like He'll come off the bench and be like a bench scorer for them. They signed Christian Wood to the largest contract ever. I don't even know who that is. Um, <laughs> He was like a seven-footer for the Pistons, like high-energy guy okay. who plays defense. He signed the largest contract ever following an undrafted minimum contract, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it was like a $40 million contract. Jeez like coming off of his previous contract was like league minimum because he was an undrafted free agent. So they're excited about him. They think that he can be like a better Clint Capella. I think it's funny that um, Daryl Morey went to the 76ers and he had, you know, he had the small ball, he had the Mori ball where they just shot threes. Yeah. As soon as he left, they're like, nope, we're going back to traditional basketball. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately they they signed two seven footers. And who do you think won this trade? I think the Wizards did because obviously Wall 
is a couple years younger, but he hasn't played. He's banged up. I mean, you don't know what John Wall you're going to get. With Russell Westbrook, you know what Russell Westbrook you're going to get. A high-energy guy that's going to produce. I mean, just by getting, just by swapping those two players, I think the amount of wins the Wizards get just probably doubles, honestly. I know I saw Magic Johnson tweeted about uh, he when he when the news broke that uh, Westbrook would be going to the Wizards, he said, watch out for the Wizards. They could be a playoff team. I wouldn't be surprised if they snuck into the playoffs just because West, I think Westbrook and uh, Beal are going to mesh well. And then you have young guys like Rui. You have the guy they just drafted. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Abidja. Yeah. And you have you have some solid guys there, and then you're adding Westbrook. You're swapping. Yeah. They kept Davis Bertans as well. Yeah. Paying him $80 million to now sit in the corner as Russell Westbrook jacks yeah. up threes. And then well, also, I know a lot of a big part in them getting Westbrook was that he and Scott Brooks, who's the coach for the Wizards, they have like a really close connection. Yeah. And um, they really, enjoy, they both get along, they mesh well. And so I, I wouldn't be, I mean, obviously I'm a Wizards fan. I want them to do well and make the playoffs, but um, just from the outside looking in, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like one of the teams this year that made the playoffs. To me, I think it's a pretty like lateral move almost. I think the Wizards got better than like I think the Wizards got more better than the Rockets did, but I don't think that Russell Westbrook's going to be like the thing that pushes you over to contention. I don't know. I'm kind of low on Westbrook, but he had, really? I think his best. A lot of people behind. are. Uh, his numbers. He ha- he puts up good numbers. Yeah, but it's like it's kind of it's the Kirk Cousins argument, right? Where he puts up good numbers when it doesn't help his team win. Does that make sense? Like he puts up numbers, but at like a super inefficient rate. So he, he's going to get his, but he's going to take like 30 shots to do it. And so he's going to take shots away from Bradley Beal. He's going to take shots away from. Um, I'm fine with him doing that because I. Yeah. It'll they'll win more games. We are, to the we'll extent. See. I mean, we don't know, but I'd rather have Russ Westbrook than Walt just because coming off an injury and being inconsistent. I think for Russ, it's definitely a better situation. I think that Russ is like an on-ball player who needs the ball. Bradley Beal needs it a lot less than James Harden does. Yeah. Because I think Beal is a lot better off-ball than James Harden. Yeah, I think they mesh. I think they Beale, work better than... Beal and Westbrook mesh better than Harden, Harden and Westbrook. I agree 100%. Which I never understood why he went to Houston to, be, to begin with. Yeah, it's like they had played together at one point, but that, they were completely different players at that time. Like, And they had Kevin Durant. Um, Some other signing news. AD, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James both signed big extensions. LeBron was a two-year extension, so he's with them for the next three. And AD was a five-year, $190 million max extension, which kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought for sure that AD would kind of match his extension with LeBron's to be like... He'll get another contract, though, at some point. Yeah. Well, no, it's just LeBron's going to retire in a couple of years. His contract actually expires when Bronny... LeBron James Jr. graduates high school. So, and yeah. he's been pushing big for letting players get drafted. I could totally, I really want this to happen. There's been talk of it for years that he wants to play with his son. I would really love it if he just waits to see which team drafts his son and then signs with that team after this contract. I think that would be really cool. Um, and then Anthony Davis, like I said, I thought he was going to match his extension with LeBron's to try to, you know, decide if he wanted to stay with the Lakers or if he wanted to follow LeBron wherever. I also saw that LeBron signing this big contract basically kills their effort to get Giannis. So that's something that's interesting. 
<laughs> we won't have a super team with Giannis, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. They Thank can God, I hate seeing that stuff. Um, some other trade news: the Warriors actually called to ask about trading for James Harden. Oh, he would be terrible. I don't want they. Yeah. They have a good thing going right now, and they added James Wiseman, but I don't think. And Kelly Oubre. I would not. I forgot about that too. I don't. I wouldn't want Harden on. I honestly, I I would stay away from Harden. Yeah. In any capacity, I just I'm not a fan of him. I think that certain teams would get better with him, but I think that some of the, a lot of the teams that are like contenders that are asking for him, I don't know how much it would help. Like the Nets as well was another one that he was rumored to, but you already have two super like ball hoggy players in Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Yeah. And James Harden going there would not take shots away from Kyrie and Kevin Durant, just like James Harden going to the Warriors wouldn't take shots away from Steph or Clay or someone. Problem is, it's going to be taking shots away from everyone else on the team, and so you're going to basically make it like a two or three man show wherever he goes. Yeah. So. I was just surprised today looking up the NBA starts back up December twenty second. Really? That's kind of soon. Yeah. I I had to do a double this take. Month. Just because it feels like the season just ended. I mean, it, it pretty much did, but obviously they wanted to get the season in and kind of get back on track. Um, from this COVID, you know, COVID pandemic that we always yeah touch on. But um, one thing that's kind of interesting to me about that is that the marquee matchup every year, like the big matchup, was always the Christmas Day games, and now the Christmas Day games are the third games of the season, mm-hmm. basically. So that's kind of fun. I'm excited to watch. Like I don't, I'm not a big NBA oh, guy. I watch the playoffs, but I'll be excited to watch, you know, the start of the season just because I want to see how how the players are, you know such a quick turnaround and also some new faces like Kevin Durant yeah um playing for Brooklyn see how that works um one last NBA thing I want to touch on is Gordon Hayward signing a massive contract with the Hornets do you think he was worth it at all or do you think it was like a massive overpay I think it's a massive overpay but a lot of the NBA contracts are like that um I was disappointed with Gordon Hayward on the Celtics I thought he was going to be way better than he actually was and he just didn't really seem like he ever stepped up to be a leader for them, it's kind of he was really good when he was on the Jazz, and yeah. he was the guy with um, who is the who is the player that had the Gordon Hayward and who was the other one on the Jazz? It's like a big man. Uh, yeah, Paul Millsap. I think it's Paul Millsap, but he was very good for the Jazz, being the guy. But he kind of when he went to the Celtics, he took a back seat, and I don't, I I I thought he'd be a lot more successful than he was. Yeah, I agree. I think that. So will he be the guy for the Hornets? Um, unless Lamella Ball is like a star. Out okay, well they he'll be well that might not be he might he might be a good fit for the Hornets. I mean that's a lot of money, or but if Terry Rozier steps up, but other than yeah. that they don't really have anyone. I think that's gonna be like a big score. So he'll he'll definitely get his touches. Um, I want to finish with some NFL stuff because we've been going a little bit, but it's fine. We can we have time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday night football was yesterday. Or Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon football. Excuse me. Yes. Very odd. And Des Bryant actually has now played in two Wednesday football games. <laughs> I think he's the only player in the league right now that has done that. Uh, do you know, Pop Quiz, do you know why 2012 he played a Wednesday afternoon game or a Wednesday night game? No idea. Actually, I had to look this up because I didn't know. Fun fact, it was the opening game that season. Um, the Dallas Cowboys were scheduled to play the New York Gi- football Giants on Thursday. And that game happened to be the night that incumbent president Barack Obama 
had his acceptance speech for the Democratic nomination mm-hmm. to run again for president for his second term. And so they moved the game back 24 hours so that people wouldn't have to miss the speech. Oh, oh no, I do remember that now that you now that you talk about that. Yes. And which is weird to me because he was the incumbent president. I could understand if it was someone like different. Yeah. But everyone knew that he was going to be the Democratic mm-hmm. nomination. That's just how politics works. Yeah. <laughs> if you win, you want to run again, they let you. So I'm just, it's strange. But yeah, does Bryant happen to be in that game? Now he's on the Ravens. Obviously a whole lot different eight years from now, like football team wise. Des Bryant was a superstar back then and now he's kind of just a guy. Ravens had to play Robert Griffin the third. He started. He had a 40 yard run, which is cool. Did not play good besides that. Then they ended up putting him Trace McSorley. That'll tell you how the game went. He doesn't even look like an NFL quarterback. But I loved him at Penn State, but he he was a scrappy guy and scrappy guys uh, don't really do too hot in the NFL. Yeah, I definitely thought Trace McSorley's role in the NFL, if he had any, would be like a Taysom Hill. Like, I thought some team might see what the Saints were doing and then try to copy yeah. it. But no one, the Ravens haven't done that with him. Well, they don't have to do that because they have Lamar Jackson, whereas the Saints, you know, they guy like Taysom Hill can come in there and give you, um, you know, impact your running game. Yeah. McSorley doesn't really offer anything that Lamar Jackson doesn't. If mm-hmm. That makes sense. But flip side of that game. He did, oh, I was going to say they did okay. have Trace McSorley playing safety when they first drafted him. I don't know if you remember that. Like, Or it was at the combine, I think. Some teams asked him if he was really? going to try to switch to safety. I know yeah. when um, one of the reasons he went to Penn State was because they were going to let him play quarterback because he he was very under-recruited, went to high school Briar Woods, which was close. Um, oh, I know this song. Very close to me in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then they, they said, hey, you can play. Down at Vandy. Yeah, exactly. They let him play quarterback, and he did well for them, but I don't know how how much he'll grow in the NFL. Yeah, and then on the Steelers, I was going to ask you, how do you feel about the 11-0 and Pittsburgh Steelers? There's been a lot of bumps along the way, but I still hold true to my prediction I made at the beginning of the year that I think they'll win the Super Bowl. They're my Super Bowl really? pick just because – have so many weapons on offense um defensively i mean it, it's unfortunate for them because they lost devin bush to a torn acl they just and lost, lost bud, bud dupree. dupree but it's just kind of next man up mentality for them and even without those yeah. guys that defense is still loaded like robert spillane is playing really yeah. well if you would have asked me who that was no idea yeah i'm the complete opposite i have never seen an 11 and 0 team that in my mind, I thought so hard was like, yeah, they're gonna lose the first round of the playoffs. They play. What? What? What do you not like about them? Their offense is bad. Um, their defense creates a lot of turnovers to win, but if they don't create the turnovers, they don't win well. Well, James Conner, he's been hurt, right? He didn't play yesterday. He hasn't been playing great all year, I thought though, either. And it's just Big Ben hasn't impressed me at all. Do you think they need to lose to get that pressure off their back before the playoffs start? Uh, yeah, I think that might be good for them because I think they losing. do seem they're playing a little bit tighter. Yeah, uh, early on in the season they were kind of just going with the flow. Their offense seemed pretty smooth, and then maybe I feel like the pressure of being undefeated is kind of wearing heavy on them. Whereas if they lost a game or two, it might help them. Well, because like you look at the teams that could be in the wild card spot, right? And so these are the teams. Obviously, they get a first round bye, mm-hmm. so they'd have to play a team that could win. So. The Dolphins are one that come to mind that I could totally see winning their wild card matchup against who they play. I think the Dolphins beat the Steelers. 
really? pretty easily if they play in the playoffs. Really? Yes, I do. I truly do. I do. I'm just not high on these Steelers at all. It just it reminds me so much of the Bears last year, where they had a really good regular season record, and then I think they're going to maybe do okay in the playoffs. Like the Bears barely scraped by one win, and then they lost. Their offense is better than the Bears, though. I mean, yes, but I, I think the Bears' defense is probably better. Yeah, I think it's a wash. Ooh, I don't know about that. Oh, Steelers! I'm taking the Steelers fully loaded with Bush and Dupree, fully loaded. But, yes, but I'm talking about like yeah. right now what they have. I don't know about this season. Yeah, they but play I don't know. I'm Wa- just low on the Steelers. Maybe I'm just a hater, and maybe well, they'll prove me wrong. They play my Washington football team. Um, I think their next game oh, is yeah. a potential upset. I feel like <laughs> the one like actual game that the Steelers have left. I mean, I guess they have the Browns, but for some reason the Browns stink in like division games. Yeah. The one like challenge they have left is they play the Bills. So I think that should be interesting. The oh. Edmund brothers could be reunited. Yeah. Actually, I don't matchup. know where. Those are two tough matchups for them. Where did the fullback Edmund brother go? I have no idea. Because they cut him for Derek Watt. Because they I'm were like, not we can sure. make one brother happy and we got to choose between Terrell Edmonds or TJ Watt. And we're like, yeah, yeah. we got to go with TJ Watt. Um, last thing, too. Josh Gordon just got announced today. He got reinstated. Reinstated. Which is crazy because I don't even know how much the Seahawks need him. Like the Seahawks receiving core is already really good. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and DJ Josh Moore. or, D- or not, David Moore. David yeah. Moore, excuse me. Yeah, I was. No, yeah, I'm the same way. But um, that's already a really solid starting three. So especially a guy who barely played the last couple of years, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make. Well, you compare that to the Buck situation with Antonio Brown. Yeah. Like, do they really yeah, need him? Two catches kinda... for 11 yards last week. I only know that because I was playing against him in fantasy. Really? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Gordon's incredibly talented, but you just kind of—he's just a guy, another guy on your team. Mm-hmm. I don't think you pull. I don't think you do what Tampa Bay does is doing right now, and you force getting him targets, like taking targets away from other people. Yeah, I think you just kind of go with the flow because I think that's really hurt Tampa Bay. It's kind of messed up the groove that they had going with their offense because they're trying to get Antonio Brown the ball so much. So hopefully, Seattle will just kind of ease Josh Gordon back in. They won't take targets away from. Yeah more uh, Metcalf or Lockett because those guys are all meshing pretty well. Hopefully they won't give more less targets. And with that, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think we're going to we end on that. I'd like to end on Tyler's <laughs> the, horrible yeah, jokes. Just ignore that one. Horrible so, bad jokes. Thank you guys so much for joining episode us in episode 12, 12. I believe. We'll do. That's wrong. No, it is. It's 12. Next week will be episode 13. Lucky and then, number 13. Yeah, then we'll have to figure out going forward what we want to because we won't be together unfortunately yeah. but anyway thank you guys so much for thank you for listening and we will see you next time peace peace Hey, Washington, D.C., spring is almost here, and now is the perfect time to get a healthy, pest-free lawn with your local experts at True Green, America's number one lawn care company. True Green's science-based approach will help give your lawn the year-round care it needs to be thick and weed-free. Go to TrueGreen.com radio to save 50% on your first service. Just call 877-461-0681 or go to TrueGreen.com radio today and get a lawn to be proud of. 
Hey, Washington, D.C., spring is almost here, and now's the perfect time to get a healthy, pest-free lawn with your local experts at True Green, America's number one lawn care company. True Green's science-based approach will help give your lawn the year-round care it needs to be thick and weed-free. Go to TrueGreen.com radio to save 50% on your first service. Just call 877-461-0681 or go to TrueGreen.com radio today and get a lawn to be proud of. 